We know the story so well, don't we? The little shepherd boy with his sling, the 10-foot giant with his impregnable armour, and we know that God intervenes to bring about a spectacular victory, not just for David, but for the whole of Israel. Now, most of what I've just said is true, but as we'll see, not all of it is. You see, coming to this story of David and Goliath afresh for this evening, there was one thing that really bothered me. We have the great advantage of knowing that there is a spectacular victory. We know the story's end. And despite the apparent craziness of what David takes on, there is going to be that victory. But David didn't know that, did he? David was living in the moment. He hadn't read the story after the event. So why is he so confident? He's even cocky, really, I'd say. Why is he so confident about his chances of beating Goliath? And that's what got me thinking. I don't know about you, but if you put me in this story, I'd be like one of David's brothers. In fact, the whole of Israel's army. Ashamed that I'm not up to being Israel's champion and fearful to the point of being useless, literally frozen with fear. Why are we so like that with problems and challenges? Well, maybe I am, I don't know about you. Why am I so like that with problems that loom large in my life? It could be to do with work or studies, it could be to do with, it could be in our family or with our friendships or even in the church family. Yes, there are some problems and challenges we face that we feel we can work away at because of some experience or competence that we know we can build upon. But then there are other things, other challenges, like, which, like Goliath, feel too big, too scary, too far outside my comfort zone for me to even engage with. I don't know about you, but at times I feel that I am frozen in fear, a bit like Israel's army when faced with Goliath. But here's the good news in the story of David and Goliath. David wasn't cocky in his own strength, and he wasn't taking a huge gamble with a small hope that possibly God might intervene on his behalf. I'd suggest he had two really solid reasons for rising to this challenge. It may have looked crazy, but he had these two reasons. And, and, and that's why he took the very obvious risk he did. So the first solid reason is that David had a calling from God. If you look in the previous chapter of 1 Samuel, um, we read in this 1 Samuel 16 verse 13 we read that God sent the prophet Samuel to Bethlehem to anoint one of Jesse's sons as a future king of Israel and rather to Samuel's surprise it turned out to be the youngest one David who was a shepherd and we read from that day from the day of his anointing the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David Now notice this, neither God nor Samuel told David how on earth he was going to become king. Just that that was his destiny, his calling. But to help him, God filled him 
with his Holy Spirit. The second reason that David had for taking on Goliath is that God had been training him for just this situation. You see, David wasn't this little shepherd boy. He was a strapping young man who God had been training as a warrior shepherd. There's no other way to describe David. He was a warrior shepherd. In his own words, and Debbie read it from verse 34 of 1 Samuel 17, David says, whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck and kill it. And then in verse 37, God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. I'm not saying that taking on Goliath was not a stretch for David. I'm not saying it wasn't a big step of faith. But what I am saying is that David already had a faith in God that had been developed and strengthened and refined through practical experience. In fact, if you think about David, he was a shepherd rather like the one that Jesus described when he was talking about himself. A shepherd who wasn't happy that there were 99 sheep safe and sound in the pen, but who was concerned about the one that had either wandered off and got lost or had been carried off by a wild animal and would go after that one and bring it home. So it's no wonder that David was called a man after God's own heart. Now I hear you say, that's all very well, Andrew. Very good. But what is the relevance of this and this story to me? It's King David we're talking about. He's a bit of a special case. How can can this story from so long ago have relevance for me in Bath in the 21st century? I think it has every relevance. You see, the Bible isn't a book of exceptions, it's a book of examples. If you like, it's a handbook for us as to how we live our lives in 21st century Bath. So first, just like David, God has a calling on each of our lives. For some of us, it's obvious, and we've known it for many years. For others, maybe it takes a much It takes much longer to discover, and maybe we haven't got there yet. I'm definitely an example of the second group. It took me many years to realise that God might have a calling on my life at all, and then several more years of asking, but generally not really listening, before I heard God's call. In the end, in desperation, and I was 46 years old by this time, so it was quite desperate, I challenged God to tell me what my calling was. What was my role? What was my purpose? What was my role in his kingdom supposed to be? If indeed there was one, I was quite cynical about it. And much to my surprise, I heard God speak to me. In fact, I kind of heard him speak over me. And what he said was, you're a guide. Now that was an odd thing to say, and you might be sitting there thinking, that is a really odd thing to say. But for me, and it was only for me, that was such a right thing. And I knew it was true almost as soon as I heard it. You see, all my working life, I, as an actuary, I've been trained up as a financial guide to trustees and companies managing pension liabilities. In, I love walking in the mountains. And in my younger life, 
particularly the Scottish Highlands, as you know. But in my, in my younger life, I was very keen to explore the Mountain Leader Award. In fact, I got quite, I researched it all, but I never followed through on the training to be a guide in the mountains. So to me, both of those things resonated as soon as I heard the word guide. But as well as the financial guide, and as well as the possible, and it still is possible, mountain guide, I realised that God was saying something deeper about me being a guide in the spiritual realm, in, within his family, within the church, particularly in the context of helping men recover their hearts and follow Jesus. Now, you may be, may be like me for the first 46 years of my life. You may be sitting there not knowing what your calling is. In fact, maybe not with a great idea about what it is. Well, what I would say is ask God about it. Pursue it. Be persistent. That's where the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit comes in. That's kind of why God gave David not just a calling, but also the Holy Spirit to help him work it out. Only God can tell you what your individual unique calling is. But as your guide for this evening, I will give you a clue. It will be something that links to the deep desires of your heart, something that makes your heart come alive. You see, I used to think, or I used to worry, that God's calling on me might be something unpleasant, something I really didn't want to do. That's perhaps one reason why I was never that keen to find out what it was. But that's rubbish. By definition, pursuing God's calling for your life is, is going to be fulfilling. It's going to help. If we, if, if we follow that calling, it's going to help us develop into more of the person he wants us to be. And please don't think that when I talk about calling, it has to be something super spiritual. It could be something much more practical. Um, it's likely to be something that has an impact throughout your whole life, including your work or studies, family, friends, sports, interests, the whole lot. So that was the first point. God has a calling, or why I believe this is relevant, this story is relevant for us. God has a calling on each one of our lives, a unique calling. Secondly, once you know your calling, you'll want to get trained up. That happens as we take baby steps of faith in the direction of our calling. And as with, as with so many things with God, this is a process. It takes time. It was over 10 years ago that God spoke to me about being a guide, and I'm still very much working out my calling. The good news is that like David, we're not expected to become giant killers straight away. But there is a health warning here, and David's story shows us this very clearly. God does not work in the way that the world does. What he wants from us may require us to step out in faith in a way that looks foolish from the world's perspective. That's certainly what it looked like when David stepped out from the lines of the Israeli soldiers. I mean, David, as you heard, David was offered a soldier's armour, but he realised that he couldn't wear it. So he simply took what he'd what he'd been, what he'd learnt to use, which was his shepherd stick, his sling, and five smooth stones. He stuck to what he knew. He trusted the training that God had given him. That way, it was obvious to everyone that God was at work in the victory. 
The other aspect of the health warning is that God is certainly going to require us to take risk. Now, if you know me, you'll probably know that I spent, I've spent most of my adult life trying to minimise risk or simply avoid it altogether. But I've come to realise that when we walk with God and live by faith, there will be times when God expects us to take risks for him. Some might be small, some might seem very large. Please don't think I'm suggesting you should take every crazy risk that presents itself to you. There are some Christians who seem to approach their lives like that. But no, God only wants us to take very specific risks. If you're ever not sure about this, if what's before you is not clear, despite all your prayers for guidance, then a piece of wise counsel that someone gave me, which I'm going to repeat now, I think might help you. When you risk, when you take risk, make sure you risk in the direction of your calling. That's exactly what David did. Now, could Ruby, could I, can I have the band? Well, I say the band, the rest of my ballet. Could the, if the band could come up, we're going to have a song before we move into communion. And while they're getting themselves ready, I just wanted to read a passage from Ephesians 1, verses 11 and 12, because I think it much more eloquently than me, Paul, writing to the Ephesians, manages to encapsulate what I've been trying to say from the story of David and Goliath. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. You see, long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. And that everyone includes you and it includes me. Amen.